Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Gaurav Saran, who is CEO of Reverse Logics. And today we're going to talk about how an RMS helps optimize e-commerce returns management. Now, over the past few years, and especially since the pandemic, you know, companies have learned that the way we've always done things is not, you know, going to work anymore moving forward. And this is particularly true when it comes to reverse logistics, which, you know, I've called, you know, over the past few years in various blog posts, the migraine headache of retail and, and e-commerce. Um, so why is transforming, you know, returns management, reverse logistics more critical today than ever before? And, and how can technology enable this transformation? Well, that's going to be the key focus of our conversation today. And it's great to have Gaurav on the program to share his insights and advice and perspective on this topic. So Gaurav, welcome to the program. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, very excited to be here. And thanks for having me on board today. Great. Well, I, again, this is a very timely and, and important topic, especially as we're heading into you know, Q4 in the holiday season. I mean, I, I talked about kind of being a migraine headache. Well, that migraine really hurts a lot come, you know, January, right? You know, when everyone's returning gifts, uh, you know, end of December, early January timeframe. But before we kind of get into the topic, I mean, you're a first time guest here on Talking Logistics. I'm always curious how people end up in this industry that we're in that's now making the, the front page of the Wall Street Journal and, and, you know, mainstream newspapers and everything else. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your career path, you know, how and why you got involved in supply chain logistics and kind of what your role and responsibilities are there at Reverse Logics. Absolutely. So uh, I'm the CEO and founder for Reverse Logics. Um, my role and responsibility is to look at product strategy, market execution, listen to customers, look at where the trends are, uh, and overall execution of uh, the, the organization in general. As far as my career path is concerned, um, I certainly didn't wake up and said I was going to be in, in uh, returns management or, or reverse side of the supply chain. It was uh, just a happened uh, as I went through my career. Um, early on, I was very fortunate to work with some very interesting companies here in the Bay Area as well as some, uh, as well as some large enterprises. Um, I started out with a company called Zoho, uh, which is a SaaS company uh, doing really, really well in the CRM uh, space. Uh, that was a great experience for me because I got introduced to just the SaaS culture in general, uh, what enterprises are looking at, and just how a market dynamic can work, how do you scale an organization, how you build the right technology. So that was a great experience right out of college for me. Um, then as it turns out, I, I, I started working for Microsoft. Um, that was a phenomenal experience. Uh, got a chance to work with uh, closely with some of their leadership at the time. Uh, Steve Ballmer, one of those uh, influencing factors for me, as well as um, got exposure just randomly into supply chain, not with the view of returns, but just what supply chain was. I was working with a lot of the high-tech manufacturing customers that Microsoft had, as well as the Xbox group. So just, just randomly, something started to dawn on me that you know there's a, there's a lot of impact, first of all, on what supply chain is in general and how it runs our daily lives, for the food that you get on the table, to the shirt you're wearing, to the glasses you have on. Uh, all of those things are a factor of an efficient supply chain. And um, over the last you know, two, three decades, there's been a lot of innovation in the forward side of the supply chain. But something that started to become slightly more clear and clearer for me as the years passed by was on the reverse side of the supply chain. It was a black hole. It was like a stepchild with no innovation, everything done on Excel spreadsheets and kind of just sweep it under the rug. 
So that kind of got me started to look at returns in general and, and that problem area. And when I founded the company back in 2014, that was a, the premise of the organization. Now, I, I didn't fathom it to be where it is today in terms of just how the market is looking at returns and how much uh, it has exploded with um, you know, the Amazon-like experience, but consumers are used to returning a lot, the pandemic. Um, so all of those factors sort of got me into returns. And over the last few years, we've uh, matured into a very robust platform. Um, we're fortunate enough in also being the pioneers in, in this space. Uh, so that's given us a lot of, uh, a lot of momentum. Well, great. You know, I, you know, it's a common thread with all of our guests here that they never, you know, for, for the, the vast majority of our guests never thought about supply chain management or studied supply chain management in college and started their career in supply chain management. You know, even myself, you know, I'm a material science engineer, like uh, folks that have been listening to this program know, and here I am, you know, doing supply chain and, and logistics. And, uh, you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, when you think about the returns management process, um, it has been one of these, um, you know, uh, relatively speaking, ignored, you know, processes, you know, a lot of, a lot of that innovation you talked about on the front, front end of the supply chain in terms of getting product to consumers, to customers, um, that's where a lot of the focus has been. And now I think particularly because of the rise of e-commerce, obviously, and, and, and been accelerated because of the pandemic, um, people are recognizing that, Hey, you know, this is a weak link in our supply chain. Unless we, you know, um, you know, start driving innovation in this end of the supply chain, you know, we're going to be, um, you know, losing money, impacting customer experience and, and so forth. Um, so let, let's start at, you know, I talked about this being kind of a migraine, you know, headache of, of e-commerce. E e um, I mean, why is it such a headache for, for retailers and other companies to manage? I mean, what, what are the, the shortcomings with, you know, some of the existing returns processes? No, it's a, it, it's a massive headache and, an, and a headache that continues to, to just grow. And, and the momentum on that has just been completely extraordinary. And there's a lot of facts around that. So, you know, just to give you some statistics on why this is a headache in the first place. Number one is if you just look at the volume of returns uh, over the last few years, today, a traditional e-commerce return rate, you're expecting over 30%. Think of what that means. 30% or more of your product that you thought you sold is coming back. That's massive compared to, you know, back in the brick and mortar days, that was about an 8% return rate on the high, right? So that is, that is big. The second piece was or is um, customer behavior. We are also used to shopping on Amazon. So that, that experience has become so second nature. Um, you expect if you want to return something, it's, it's a right for you to be able to return it very easily and very quickly. And that also fuels an increased percent of returns. Um, you know, things like bracketing these days, well, you'll buy five items because you want to try and for size and return one. I'm sure we've all done something like that. So those are all, all very real numbers. Um, customer behavior, 67% um, of all shoppers will actually check before making a purchase whether you have a very good return policy or not. That's a massive number, customer behavior-wise, right? 62% um, of all shoppers are likely to shop with you if they have an easy uh, return process with you, especially if you have a uh, buy online return in store. Those are all very interesting, interesting numbers. So that coupled with COVID um, has also fueled a lot of the returns behavior. So that's on the customer side where you see a, a massive increase in just the volume of returns that companies are getting. And to your earlier question on why has this become such a big headache, if you didn't have such a substantial increase in returns volume, you were 
traditionally able to sort of sweep it under the rug where you're like, yeah, you know, we can kind of deal with it with a point solution, which maybe gives me a portal at best, or I have an Excel spreadsheet, or I'm using my WMS system to kind of tackle the returns. But companies are realizing, look, we're in a very competitive world. And with digital transformation, the smarter companies have started to embrace returns management a lot sooner than, than, than the general trend today. So you look at some of the leaders in the market, they actually have returns as part of their corporate strategy and generally are looking at returns, a uh, purpose-built returns management system in RMS is now started to be thought about as a portfolio of, of technologies that companies need. So if you look at all of that, um, the two big things that become front and center, number one, you want to have a very positive customer experience. By having a purpose-built returns management system, you're able to actually impact your customer satisfaction between 15 to 25%. And that is massive. Um, you you want to make sure, as, as especially for e-commerce brand, you are driving significant customer satisfaction. No customer is going to say, hey, you know, you shipped the product to me nicely. But if I'm not happy with my return, you're probably going to see something on social media pretty quickly. So that impact of that negative um, um, you know, uh, propaganda outside can, can, can be fairly dramatic and, and negatively resulting for the brand. The second big piece is profitability. By having a end-to-end purpose-built returns management system, you can actually increase your profitability by up to 5% net profitability. That's massive. And think about what that means. You bought something, if you have clear visibility on should the product even come back to you because it's beyond economical return as an example, should it get shipped to a different destination when someone is returning it, we have shortages. Should it get shipped back to a store, which is low on inventory, then you're able to process the return faster so you can put it back into inventory quickly. You're dealing with things like seasonality. Also, you're getting a lot of rich intelligence from your returns process, right, which can drive better product in general, knowing what's wrong with the product, knowing what's coming back, when is it coming back. So there's a bunch of those factors that contribute to ultimately increases customer satisfaction on one end and then increasing net profitability on the other. And if you if you look at those two parameters, they become the big differentiators uh, at a corporate strategy level. Because a lot of the other levers, companies have really, really done a really good job, especially large enterprises on really fine tuning the other minor aspects that give them competitive differentiation. This is sort of the, the last frontier in my mind. Uh, if you do this really well, um, you, you can have a lot of profitability increases. Well, yeah, there was a lot in that response, you know, a lot, a lot to unpack there. And I think we're, we're going to touch upon some of it, uh, you know, some of my, you know, I've got some questions on, on some of those things, but, you know, I, you know, it's interesting because you, know, you talked about customer experience and, you know, for a long time I've, I've talked about, and I think this is particularly, it's still true, is that, you know, we've certainly seen that delivery has become strongly linked with customer experience, right? So being able to get, you know, on time, free delivery, you know, receiving the product, uh, you know, when you were expecting it in good condition, so on and so forth, right? So you can do everything right up to the up to the delivery aspect, but if you get the delivery wrong, um, you can, you know, completely kill the customer experience. But what, what you're kind of opening my eyes to is the fact that that maybe isn't the last moment of truth for customer experience. It's maybe the returns, right? Because maybe you maybe the, you did the delivery, right? And you got the product that you ordered and you got it on time and it didn't cost you anything because it was free shipping and so forth. But if for some reason you're not happy with it now or you ordered multiple because you want to try on different sizes, 
Um, now, if that return process is onerous or expensive or, you know, many other reasons, if that becomes a negative experience, then that becomes another opportunity to impact, you know, the customer experience and customer, you know, satisfaction. So maybe that is the final uh, a moment of truth with customer experience is not so much the delivery, but the returns process. Uh, so that was one thing that y- y- your uh, uh, thoughts kind of triggered it for me. And secondly, you talked about profitability. Y- you know, uh, obviously, you're getting thirty percent returns. Um, you know, you said when it, when it's a low percentage, you can sweep it under the rug, right? It may not get elevated. You know, it, it can kind of get headed in the P and L, right? But when it gets to be 30%, I mean, you can't hide that from the CEO and the CFO, right? That becomes very, very, very clear there. And I think it's, I think that for a lot of companies, you know, once it got to that 30%, you know, uh, bracket, um, you know, again, it shows up on the P&L and it becomes very evident that, you know, we need to start addressing this aspect of it because it's hurting us, you know, f- financially. So, so let's talk a little bit about from the technology standpoint. I mean, you, you talked about spreadsheets, which is, you know, the, the king of supply chain applications out there. You, know, you talked about you know WMS. I mean, how how have companies you know that, that you've talked to you know how are they currently managing you know their reverse logistics processes and and then just to get into the returns um, you know management system. I mean, how does it how does an RMS fit within the existing ecosystem of IT solutions that companies have? No, great question. So a couple things. First off, the the more returns you get, meaning if you're in the upper market to enterprise space, chances are you're getting enough returns where the problem is banging down your door a lot more. Uh, so the more, the higher the value of returns or the higher the value of your return goods, the bigger the problem for you. Um, generally, what you will see is most organizations that are in that the sort of that, that arena of higher volume returns or higher value returns coming back, they start to look at, okay, I think I need to do something about it. And they may, you know, a couple of years ago, the general response was, can I try to see if I can use some sort of an internal tool or maybe look at some point solutions out there, which will let, let someone return something. But again, those are, those are point solutions. They actually add more complexity uh, because they don't look at the returns challenge holistically. Um, most organizations will typically have three key systems um, that a returns management technology needs to interface with. One will be you know, typically your WMS system where you're receiving the product back. Again, WMSs are not designed for returns management. And if you try to do it that way, you end up creating more complexity and actually adds to more labor and cost, which I'll talk to in a second. Second, you'll typically have some sort of a order management system um, where you know all the orders are coming from, which they will try to utilize for the initiation experience, the front-end experience, which again is, is not the right, right way to do it. Or they'll try to buy some off-the-shelf uh, system, but that is so cookie-cutter that it doesn't allow for the complexity of returns and looking at returns as an opportunity versus, hey, I just need to process it, right? So that that lens has to be there. And third, you'll typically have a financial system in place like an SAP um, or your ERP system where you're crediting the customers back, right? So the first very important thing that most companies need to look at is one, you need a, a system of authoring, not a system of record. The three systems I mentioned are generally systems of record you want to plug in an end-to-end system of authoring that can just drop right in and play ball with those three systems very seamlessly. Also, organizations that are global in scale may have different versions of those systems. I have some customers that are running AS400 to SAP, HANA to NetSuite to Oracle. So, you know, larger organizations may have a multitude of different systems. And unless you have a, a platform that can seamlessly plug and play 
uh, with these different uh, systems of records, you're gonna create more system confusion and add more complexity. And when you go to your IT teams, they're like, whoa, 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 we don't want anything else. We've already got 20 different systems to work with, right? So having that holistic view upfront, instead of having point solutions, even within the returns journey, from initiation to processing, to repairs, to all of that, should be in one platform. That's the first lens. Second questions you asked me was, you know, what, what should someone think about when they talk about returns management system? And there's really five key levers that I look at. Number one, the RMS should be able to give you some level of intelligence. And I'll give you examples of what that intelligence means. Uh, if you return a product that you bought in the summer and now you know it's winter, chances of you reselling a t-shirt in the winter is low. So is the system smart enough to tell you, is that product beyond economical return as an example? Um, you know, that, that's one area. Can it give you some level of predictive analysis on how to handle that return or routing that return to the nearest return facility so that you're saving on shipping and time, right? Those are some, some examples of intelligence. Second is when you receive the item. Most solutions I see on the market today are barely give you a, a page for returns and they call it a portal and that ends up becoming a lot more complex, right? So when you receive the items, is it the same system that allows you to receive, inspect and grade the items? And can it actually increase the number of units you can process? Because increasing that time, you've seen labor shortages, you've seen all of those challenges, right? The system should be fast enough to process those returns very quickly and efficiently and determine the right disposition. Should it go back to stock? Should it go back to scrap? Should it be a recycle program? Um, those are all very real things and they add, add labor and cost. So that's productivity. The third is quality. Are you able to generate great quality from an experience perspective to the customer? And, and keeping that customer engaged, it's not just, hey, just send it back. Can I in, 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 incent the customer to find different ways of, of monetizing that experience with active ads or selling them something else or giving them a, a coupon? There's lots of different ways to keep the customer engaged versus here's the credit, see you later, right? So um, that's a big aspect. And also learning from the returns that's a great feedback loop to your manufacturing, saying, hey, you know, I'm getting these shirts back because the zipper is failing. Uh, that is creating most of my return reasons. Do we have a great feedback loop to fix that? Or I am getting a lot of returns because everyone says the size, even though I bought a medium, the size is actually a small. Well, the way I'm sizing it from a manufacturing standpoint should be readjusted, right? So those are, those are really real examples on quality. The, the fourth aspect is cost. Um, do I have the right labor resources at the right time, with our, you know, with a good RMS system, you can you can plan your labor because you have visibility into when the product is coming back, where is it coming back from, or what type of product is coming back. So you have the ability to maximize your cost, right? And lastly, efficiency. Can I process those returns efficiently? Can I optimize my facilities? Can I optimize my routes when the product is coming back, right? So if you look at those five key areas, and I'll repeat them: essentially, intelligence, productivity quality, cost, and efficiency, right? Those are the five key levers that you want to look at when you think a returns management solution. Today, the problem is there are some, and which is great, the market is starting to, to evolve and people have started to actually look for these things. But a lot of the technologies that are there today are point solutions. And they will try to improve one area, but they'll create challenges across six other areas, right? So in my mind, looking at it holistically, is, is, is the key to really improving your returns. You know, so I, I love those, those, you know, attributes that you, you talked about. I mean, it struck me that there's, you know, at a very high level, there's the kind of the, the, 
what every software solution does, right? It would try to execute a process as efficiently as possible. Um, but then there's also, I think the, the other aspect of this is the business intelligence and the analytics component to it, you know, which you kind of, you know, kind of touched upon in some of these, you know, examples, because there's so much data that you're collecting and so much information that you're collecting back from the customer, back from the, the nature of these returns that add, can add significant value back to the organization, whether it's back, back to manufacturing, back to design, back to marketing and, and sales. Um, so that, you know, like, like in so many other aspects of the supply chain, you know, there's so much value in the data and information. And, you know, I think it's important to think about how does that data, number one, are you able to capture that wealth of data? Number two, how is that, are you actually able to leverage that data across these, you know, these, uh, you know, different avenues and, and across the, the organization? I think that's what provides yet, you know, an additional layer of value than just the, you know, the nuts and bolts of, hey, receiving a, a return good, you know, minimizing the labor associated with this position and so forth. That's all important and that's all critical aspect of this. But I think the part that's, uh, you know, that companies ought to be thinking about is also the data and the information and the analytics and how to leverage that to drive even more value out of these, uh, out of these solutions. Um, so, you know, we, we touched upon a little bit at the beginning of the conversation, you know, about the pandemic, right? And the, the, the impact that's had, particularly on, on e-commerce and and the pandemic has certainly served as a catalyst for, for digital transformation across many, you know, supply chain processes. And it sounds that, like it's happening here on, on the reverse and, and returns management side as well. I mean, how do you see it continuing to transform returns management moving forward? Oh, that's a great question. So certainly massive impact um, on returns behavior in general with the pandemic. But I, I see that behavior to, to, to stick and continue to stay beyond pandemic just because People have realized, you know, the way we shop has changed. Uh, the convenience has kind of drilled in and become more mainstream. And it also become has also become very global. It's not just a, a U.S. thing or a European thing, but globally that behavior has changed. Um, so I see returns continue to be a thing and continue to be a higher, a higher percent. And in my mind, the best way for you to learn how your product is actually performing is if you're able to get the right data and analytics back from your return. That really tells you how does the customer really feel. Um, and being able to make micro adjustments on, on the product, on the process, all stems from the returns, right? The other aspect is returns affects a lot of different personas in an organization. It's not just the supply chain. Supply chain is, is a VP of supply chain as an example is one persona and he's got a lens on productivity and how do I you know, process the returns quickly. You've got e-commerce that is looking at customer behavior and customer experience. You've got manufacturing that's looking at return insights. Um, you've got the CFO that's looking at, am I getting stuck with um, contract credit, B2B returns, right? So those are all very interesting personas that are true returns management system needs to look at. So you need to be able to furnish not just B2C returns, B2B returns is another aspect. Uh, omni-channel returns, you buy install, you return, uh, buy online, return to store. Uh, customer communication that goes out um, so that you're not getting those Wismo calls, right? Where's my order kind of deal. Um, so within an organization, there are so many different functional areas that get impacted by returns. And instead of it being a siloed approach where you're talking to the VP of e-commerce and he is simply looking at, I just want a great portal to return. That's great, but that's not really giving you maximum value. It's just giving you a portal and that's starting to get fairly commoditized. I need a system and a platform. 
uh, you tie it back to the CFO where he's saying, hey, how do I uh, incorporate that into you know, all the returns volume I'm getting omni-channel today? I'm not just getting online, I'm getting different channels of returns, right? Um, a lot of our customers are also doing B2B returns. How do we manage those? Uh, contract credit is a really big thing. One of our customers was telling us that they were getting millions of units just coming back. And uh, when they would sell back to the channel, channel will just take that price away because they said, well, we returned this product. And they're like, well, I've never seen it. I've got products sitting here, which is not even my product. These are real, real things, right? They're also increasing the value of some of the higher value products. For example, if you're looking at consumer electronics, um, it's not just simple returns processing. You're looking at repairs on those, right? Um, a lot of our customers have started to improve that by offering DIY kits to customers. So, you know, there's a lot of strategies that you can put into place where it can go above and beyond, hey, get a label or get a QR code and ship it back to me and I'll give you credit. That's, you know, that's kind of a little bit old school in the thought process in my mind now um, with so much innovation and, and technology out there. Uh, looking at it holistically, being able to capture multiple streams of returns, B2B, B2C, uh, offering value-added services on your returns, repairs, DIY kits, depending on the type of product, and also um, global returns. You know, is it multilingual? Can you calculate things like back tax calculations, cross-border documentations, right? So those all become very, very unique. And for most brands, what you're selling today could be slightly different than what you're going to sell six months from now. Do you have a system that can quickly incorporate a new workflow, a new policy? You may have a different return policy for something that's, you know, release a fancy new item that, you know, you're only offering a 15-day return policy to do something that's fairly commoditized, you have a 90-day return policy. Does your system automatically adjust to that, right? So those all become very real factors and they can be actually addressed fairly simplistically if you have an end-to-end -end platform. And I think where companies are struggling, they've done a good job in identifying the problem. Now they're struggling with, well, how do I get a full platform? And I think that's one pitfall that companies, I'm seeing a lot of e-commerce brands just not realizing this, this beyond just a portal, you need an end-to-end -end platform. You know, it sounds to me that, you know, the first step really is to, for companies to take a step back and think about this, you know, you know, as you said, from a very holistic and cross-functional and cross-process, you know, standpoint, um, because that is then going to better inform them in terms of what capabilities they're going to need from a technology standpoint, right? So, if their strategy to your to what your point is to say, oh, all we need is just a way on our on our website to have a portal for people to send stuff back. We'll give them a QR code and print a label. Well, that's a very siloed, very um, uh, myopic view of what actually happens, you know, in the returns process. But if you really bring in all the different stakeholders that are involved, like you mentioned them all before, um, and really see all the different touch points that returns impacts both negatively and positively um i think so that that would help them put together the first step should be to put together a very broad and uh cross-functional strategy around uh you know returns management and reverse process and then that will help them inform you know what they need from a technology standpoint and to your point obviously is that you know, something when this, a technology platform that has also taken that broad perspective and RMS, uh, you know, will be, you know, the best aligned with that kind of, you know, that kind of strategy. Um, so, so that being the first step, then as a way to wrap up and maybe summarize, um, 
I mean, what questions then should companies ask themselves to assess what, you know, where they are today, right? Whether they're a leader or a laggard when it comes to, you know, returns management. I think the two big, big questions most companies should ask them just to assess where they are on leader versus laggard is number one, what is, have they been able to capture uh, or at least understand what is the loss that they're generating from returns today? Uh, and that's, you know, that's something they can quite easily look at the data and say, well, you know what, I'm actually losing a lot of money. Um, so the loss from returns, where is it coming from? That would be one question. Number two, have they been able to streamline um, not just the customer experience on the front end, but the returns experience when the item is received, uh, how is that going? What's the processing time for returns? How long does it take for them to move the product back and you know, get it to the right disposition? So those would be the first two metrics that I look at uh, for a company to think about returns. And lastly, in my mind, the biggest question, which is a very straightforward answer is, what tool or system are you using for returns? If the answer is, I am not, then you're already a laggard. That's right. Yeah. Or, or if, uh, we've got 10 Excel, Excel spreadsheets that we're using, you know, then that's a, that's a clear sign. And I think the sad reality is that that is the response of, of many companies out there is that we're not using a tool or we're using, uh, you know, all we, all we have is a portal, you know, to your point. And that's the, that's the uh, state of the technology that, that they have. Well, Gaurav, uh, you know, we could easily talk for an hour, an hour more on this topic and, you know, like I said at the beginning, you know, we're heading into the, the peak holiday season here, although it's been peak season, you know, for the past year and a half with, you know, the shift into, you know, the, the, the surge in e-commerce here over the past year. Um, but, but again, and this is one of those, you know, if, if companies have forgotten how painful returns management are, they're going to get reminded uh, very quickly here over the next few weeks and, and, and months. Um, so it's a very timely and important conversation. So I, I appreciate you making the time to, to be with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Reverse Logics website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or comment for Gaurav, uh, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.